We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. Gotta get some free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Just a little quick housekeeping before we get to today's episode. We are talking Whiplash with my buddy, Mike Schubert. Mike is someone who has been instrumental in helping me with this podcast over the past few years. He's also one of my favorite returning guests. We have covered some great movies on the show. And Mike, as Mike Mike will tell you better himself here in a few minutes, uh, he is launching a new podcast. The newest Olympian is a Percy Jackson reread podcast. Again, Mike is going to get into that, but highly encourage everyone who enjoys him on this episode who has somehow not heard Mike before in the show. Uh, go support that show. He is going to do awesome work. I, I have full confidence in that. He's also got a bunch of other great projects, so check that out. Speaking of people who have supported this show, shout out to our Big Screen Sports Patreon members, including our producer-level patrons. That's Aaron Figueroa, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, and of course, Mike Schubert, today's guest. Uh, appreciate his support and appreciate everyone's support. If you go to patreon.com slash sports, you can support the show. Uh, help me keep this going once a week on Mondays and on Thursdays doing the Ted Lasso recap with my co-host Alex McDaniel. Uh, you can vote on movies and patrons' choice topics to be covered by the podcast. Vote is out now to pick the October movie, uh, or at least uh, to submit some, some nominations for the October movie. The polls will be up here in a few weeks. Uh, you can get Discord access. You can get stickers. We've got stickers for the Big Screen Sports Patreon. Everyone loves the stickers. Mike has a sticker. He'll talk to you at the end of this episode how much he likes the stickers. So, yeah, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash sports. Really appreciate everyone who has supported the show. If you would like to support the show in a non-financial manner, you can do so by subscribing wherever you get your podcast, uh, rating on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star rating and a review. Tell me what you think of this episode, past episodes, the Ted Lasso rewatch, all that stuff, uh, telling a friend about the show. Any which way, the support is always appreciated. And if you haven't yet, go check out our past catalog. We have probably covered one of your favorite 
or least favorite sports movies on the show. We got over 150 episodes, a lot to check out. So tune in for that. Uh, with that, it is time to talk Whiplash, the 2014 Oscar winner with my buddy, Mike Schubert. All right, joining me to cover Whiplash, he is a returning guest. He is the host of Potterless, Meddling Adults, Horse, and a new project that he is about to fill us in on. It is my buddy, Mike Schubert. Mike, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. It's been it's been a while since we recorded something. I can't even remember the last thing. Last was thing we it recorded. was it School of Rock? I mean, that feels way too I think long it, ago. But I think it, it was School of Rock. I think Jeez. it was School of Rock, and we're 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 getting kind of similar to School of Rock tonight. Before we get into it, you just dropped a new episode for your Patreon subscribers, but mm-hmm. a, a you just launched a new podcast. Tell me about it. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on September sixth, twenty twenty one, or after, it's live, but. I'm transitioning out of doing Potterless, which was a podcast where I read the Harry Potter books for the very first time, and now I'm switching to a new show called The Newest Olympian, where I'll be doing a similar thing, but about the Percy Jackson books. Because this series isn't as much of the acclaim of Potterless, the joke is going to be less of, oh, wow, look at this guy who was right in the age demo, and he should have read Harry Potter doing it for the first time. Instead, we are trying to decide whether or not this book series and this entire Y series is like has been completely slept on by society should it be as big as Harry Potter Twilight Hunger Games all that kind of stuff so same kind of format I'll be going through a couple chapters at a time with someone who's read the series before and making my way through the main books and then on to the other stuff but yeah you can subscribe to that wherever you get your podcasts the newest Olympian or you can go to our website the newest Olympian.com yeah, I am someone who I miss the Percy Jackson books. I I, I caught the Harry Potter books. I, I agree, you were absolutely crazy for not having not having <laughs> read them because we are we are about the same age. But yeah. I do have a seven year old now, and Percy Jackson. I have been told is it would be a good thing for us to read together. So I think we're gonna we're gonna start on that. What I have heard about Percy Jackson, the book series is good, but one of the big problems is that apparently the movie was just a massive failure, but I believe oh, yeah. that I believe that Disney owns the rights now. Is that correct? Yes. So Disney Hyperion is the publishing rights, and now they're going to make a Disney Plus show about it in 2022 at some point. And the problem with the movies was that they it was Chris Columbus who directed the first uh, Harry Potter movie, but he made the movies loosely based on the books. So uh, I, I don't know exactly why, but the general understanding is that they didn't really go close to what the books were they like kind of did it and it's so bad that the author rick rick riordan who is a good dude unlike jk rowling huge 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 turn for me that's Uh, the big that's the biggest problem with harry potter is how bad (laughs) jk rowling yeah it sucks but he was just not involved and it's he sent this dude multiple emails like you're messing this up it's going to be bad he has an faq on his website rick and he's like i was not involved in the movies please don't blame me for them and i think that's a big major contributing factor to why it's not as popular there's five books in the main series they stopped after movie they stopped after movie 2 because nobody enjoyed them so uh, which is really interesting because Chris Columbus, the first two Harry Potter movies probably stay the most faithful to the books. It's very mm-hmm. interesting, interesting turn there, because I, I think yeah. the the first two Harry Potter movies are almost like boom, boom, boom. And then like Alfonso Cuaron comes and like, let's get let's get weird. What's a robe? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that aspect. OK, well, let's get into a movie that is not owned by Disney. It's no. not uh, definitely not for children. No. 
Let's talk about Whiplash, the 2014 drama. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. The word mentored is doing a lot of work in that, <laughs> uh, in that summary. It starred Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Won three Oscars, including film editing, sound mixing, and best supporting actor for Simmons. Mike, we have talked about on this podcast, we have talked about movies before that aren't sports films, but feel like sports films. We talked about Pitch Perfect. We've talked about School of Rock. Now we're talking about this. What to you and you you reached out to me and you were like, Whiplash is a sports movie. And I was like, <laughs> I agree. What what to you? What are the what are the big themes in this one that make this one, you know, a sports movie as much as, you know, a movie about football? I mean, it is just your classic in if you delete the word mentor, teacher, whatever, and you insert the word coach, that is exactly what this movie is. It it could be the exact same plot could be applied for someone in a solo sport like gymnastics or someone in a team sport like soccer or someone in a team sport that's highly individualized like baseball. So there is so many different things that translate to what a sports movie is and then you've got just all your classic stuff in terms of you know you you could see this movie being the coach sees the kid practicing soccer you know kicking goals alone in an alley it's like it's the classic sort of you could see all of the major big framework beats being in a sports movie you've you've got multiple games in the different performances at the end you've got the big one there's lots of different things. There's taking away the spots from the people ahead of you. So like if you were the backup player and then you become the starter, there's so many different things that make it just feel like a sports movie. Yeah, I mean, and the the tense coach-player relationship is such a, it, it's such a big, I mean, you can name 10 sports movies off the top of your head where that's a, that's a big time main plot point. And especially the domineering coach, the borderline or definitely abusive coach. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's in something as, you know, as juvenile as like a varsity blues. It's in a movie like the phenom, which is kind of underseen. It was a baseball movie with Ethan Hawke that came out like five years ago now, but it's about mm -hmm. a, a dad. Who's this, this obsessive domineering figure figure, not unlike Fletcher in this movie. And it's that same thing. It's a, the same kind of theme. So I'll, I'll kick it to you with this. Is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter bench warmer sports movie? It's a Hall of Fame movie. The fact that this thing didn't win Oscar for Best Picture is a actual crime. The, the industry, the academy, they patted themselves on the back and picked Birdman that year because it was about a struggling actor, blah, blah, blah. Sure, it got Shape of Watered, like Get Out did. But, I mean, it's it's just... It is such a good movie. It's something where you can't you you couldn't casually watch this movie if you tried. If it was on TV and you're like, oh, I'll put on Whiplash in the background, you would just sit and then stare at it for however long the runtime is. And it's also not that long of a movie, which no, is cool. No, it flies too. It's yeah, just two hours. Yeah, it flies. Yeah, it absolutely flies. I'm also now realizing that. I am sort of becoming the this movie that's not a sports movie is actually a sports movie correspondent. And I seem to always pick music films. So I feel like I should write some sort of dissertation about the correlation between music, between music and sports or something. <laughs> I think you should. And we've also covered uh, High School Musical, Holy which, is, yeah. <laughs> which is a musical and, and somewhat basketball movie mm -hmm. that 
is I mean that is less that movie has basketball in it basketball right, scenes right. and that movie is less of a sports movie than I think everything else we've covered. Yeah, the closest this gets to being a sports movie is the incredible Division Three football insult that happens oh, halfway through uh, the film. Just incredible, <laughs> incredible! I can't wait to get into that. So <laughs> you mentioned that that Oscar year that it's a for me that's a pretty good Best Picture year. There's a like I love the Grand Budapest Hotel. Like I yeah, don't it's think, good too. I don't, I don't think Wes Anderson's ever going to win a Best Picture, but I, I love it. I really like the Imitation Game, even though that is just that's, absolutely. Oh, that was that year too. Uh, wow. Yeah, that I love the Imitation Game. Imitation Game is is highly rewatchable for me. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, you know, and then this, and then you know, American Sniper. If that's if that's your thing, I've not seen uh, it. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. But it is a tough year, and the Birdman was very interesting, but very much yeah, the the Academy pick. It's about acting. It's about a struggling actor. It's essentially mm-hmm. you know essentially Michael Keaton. Although I'm still very much wanting to see Michael Keaton get that get that well deserved Oscar. Oh, he hasn't uh, got one yet. Just, That's a he shame. has not. No. So if I remember correctly, so he's nominated for Birdman. If I remember correctly, he had he had raked in a few awards, like, and he was favored to win this Oscar. I, I think it is this year, but I know this has happened to Michael Michael Keaton, where they they announced the the best actor winner which in this year it was eddie redmayne for the theory of everything eddie redmayne mm. who was like 30 years old and had a long career ahead of him could have gotten this oscar another time and there was a shot of michael keaton putting a speech back into his like subtly putting a speech back into oh. his suit and clapping it was very sad i'm gonna have to find that clip and see if it was this year stating oh that's yeah, rough, it's tough man it's tough but i mean Back back to our point. This is a Hall of Fame movie. It's very very good. It's very well paced. It is very anxiety driven. I wouldn't oh, say, yeah. I wouldn't say this is wildly rewatchable. Uh, it's something you got to be in the mood. But you, and the thing is, like you throw it on in the background, you're gonna be dialed in. It's not something that you're gonna be like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't really mm-hmm. feel like if it's on. Right. But it it has some moments that are like, oh my god, like give me give me like the the anxious chills just thinking about them. Yeah, I I've always described this movie as a ro- a literal roller coaster of emotion. Like it is the most the highest highs, the lowest lows, corkscrews hit in your stomach. Like there's parts that are funny, there's parts that make you tear up in terms of how sweet the dad is. There's times where you're really angry and you're yelling at different characters, or times where you feel bad for the main character. Like there's so much, there's stress, there's the Oh, there's the the car the travel car crash scene that I cool. even on this rewatch I had to fast forward through because cool. uh, I didn't want to ruin my evening. But I mean, it's just, oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. You just feel every single emotion. Yeah, I agree. Like you, it's not necessarily infinitely re- it's not necessarily infinitely rewatchable. But that final twenty minutes are you could certainly and I think it's probably on YouTube or just like Whiplash last scene that you can watch at any point in time. But yeah, if you want to go through the full arc of it, you got to be ready for it. But when you do, it's so good. Yeah, I think from the moment he, I guess when he walks when he leaves the apartment and goes out to check out like Jazz Fest or whatever's going on, and he mm-hmm. ends up coming across Fletcher. I think from then on, that's that's great. I would right. I would throw that on in a heartbeat. I'm going to run through the trivia here pretty quick uh, because this film was shot very quick. This film was shot in 19 days. That's pretty absurd. Good, pretty solid three weeks uh, yeah. for, those, for those folks. <laughs> uh, the director and writer of the film, Damien Chazelle, who would later go on to do La La Land, could not uh-huh. get funding for the movie, so instead he turned it into a short film, submitted it to the Sundance Film Festival in 2013. Short film ended up winning the Short Film Jury Award, and he got funding soon after. And I'm fairly certain the success from this is what gave us la la land do you have you seen la la land i have not seen la la land i've also not seen the short film but when i was googling something about the movie last night i saw that come up 
what do you know what the short film is it just a chunk of the movie is it a condensed version of the movie i don't know i would bet it's some sort of condensed version that would actually be very interesting to see i wonder if that's Mm -hmm. i'm sure that's floating around somewhere i think it is somewhere because i was trying to figure out where to stream it and one of the google results was to watch the short film version and it might even be free somewhere um because it was after i googled is it free anywhere uh Might have to start. Uh, might have to start digging around for that. So um, another another way that this is like a sports movie and like a good sports movie is for of the two plus years of it doing this podcast. I've said always cast athletes. Always cast someone who's been there, who's played mm-hmm. the sport, who's done something like that. Uh, Miles Teller had been drumming since he was 15 years old. Took additional lessons four mm-hmm. hours a day, three days a week to prepare for the movie. So not a professional drummer, but a guy who had had been there, had played the sport. Yeah. Stuff like that makes such a big difference. J.K. Simmons had played the piano in the past. Stuff like that makes a huge difference, and I think that comes through. I mean, I don't think, like, I haven't been in band. This felt just very, felt raw, felt authentic, felt in there. He felt comfortable with that drum set. Right. I was not in band, but I play the drums. And when you see Miles Teller playing, it is believable. There are times, and maybe this is because of my drumming or my podcast ear curse where I can hear where things don't line up properly, but there, I could tell every single time when uh, they do a zoom in and the sounds of the drums don't exactly match what he's hitting, but like, how are you going to do that? That's impossible. So... You can tell there's times where clearly someone else is playing, and there's even some shots of the zoom-ins where, like, oh, that's an older person's hand. Uh, Like, you can tell it's not Miles Teller, but anytime they show him drumming, he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't look weird like Tom Cruise throwing a baseball in War of the Worlds. Like, he at least knows what he's doing, has the form down where it is believable enough if you aren't super zoned in and trying to see, oh, wait, there was a cymbal noise, but he didn't hit a cymbal. So I found that believable. And same thing with J.K. Simmons. When he plays the piano, they did a lot of really slow zooms where it wasn't movie magic. That was actually him playing, and he looked like he knew what he was doing. He was playing a pretty easy, slow song, but still. Yeah, when uh, when you get into podcasting, they don't tell you about podcast here. They don't, no, man. They don't warn you. They don't warn you about that. Dude, I can hear mouth clicks when people are like on C-SPAN and they're doing the little tiny little microphones. You can hear every mouth noise. Oh, it's rough. I, uh <laughs> It's tough. Yeah, no, they tell you about the, the long hours for little payoff, but they don't tell you about the, the podcast here. That shit will shit'll stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. Um, during the more intense practice scenes, the director wouldn't yell cut so that Miles Teller would keep drumming until he exhausted himself, which that, that comes through on screen. He looks yeah. fucking extremely exhausted. Right. Which he looks I, absolutely gassed. I wanted like a yeah. sweat consultant for the film because in some of the things he's just drenched, the symbol is drenched. And I want to ask a jazz drummer that would have to play something that intense because I've never had to play something that intense that's that long. I would be very interested to see if that is a realistic thing, like do your symbols get wet? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I would, I was thinking, especially in like the last scene and the last scene is, uh, you know, clearly like he's overdoing it. Like he's continuing to play. He's basically mm-hmm. not letting Fletcher take control back, but in a, in a jazz show, like how gassed are those guys, guys at the end? Cause it looks like he would be like an NFL player leaving that, leaving that show, just like dragging, like needing to take a shot at Toradol or something. Yeah. God, it, it looks absolutely exhausting and, uh, power to him. I would, I would love to, to, he, it's one of the, like, there's one of those YouTube video series they do. It's like one of the magazines when they do all the fun stuff. Uh, one of them is like a so-and-so expert watches these scenes. Like they watch, they got the rock climbing guy who did free solo.
Solo to watch rock climbing movies or rock climbing scenes from action movies. And then he said what was realistic or not. I feel like they should get a jazz drummer who knows how to play that. Be like, oh, yeah, actually, when I play, I, I'm wearing a moisture wicking shirt under my button down <laughs> because it sucks. So that, that would be certainly interesting to see because, yeah, he's yeah, putting in work. Seems like a jazz a jazz band would need a guy like off like off stage to just come in and just dab foreheads and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, turn my pages and also pad the sweat off of my forehead like I'm a doctor. Uh, let's roll into best scene. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll run I'll run through and we'll talk about each one. If I miss any of your favorites, by all means, stop me. Um, the one where I, I guess our like our opener when Andrew meets Fletcher, you don't have. You don't have a full grasp of Fletcher. You don't know exactly what he's going to be, but you have a very good idea of how demanding and controlling he is. It's yes. it's a pretty good back and forth. Like I I have never seen J.K. Simmons come on screen and been like, "Oh, I don't I don't need J.K. Simmons in this movie." Like I love J.K. Simmons. And frankly, in this movie, like you get a lot of them, I could have used I just I'm a huge J.K. Simmons guy whether he is, you know, Jonah Jameson from spider-man or he's in palm springs which he's wonderful in palm springs just any of the various things he's in but this was a very good introduction to both characters i thought yeah he doesn't say much and people don't say much about him but you don't need the the words he his performance is so good you just know his whole deal without him saying anything and it's incredibly impressive especially I did a lot of improv and that's a really important thing is trying to get across what your character's deal is. And in a matter of 15 seconds without him saying anything, you get, Oh, he's the very important music teacher that everyone's trying to, to impress. And he doesn't have to say two lines and you get that just because of his composure and the way he's dressed and the way he acts and his facial expressions. And I don't know the, the powerful way he closes his fist. <laughs> I was going to say with that scene and then the, the scene that that basically follows it when he comes and checks out the, the practice that, Mm -hmm. that Andrew and the, the other guys are in and it's, it's how he goes about it. He doesn't say a whole lot besides some very snide cutting comments, but it's how commanding he is. I mean, podcasting, you know, visual, not a visual medium, but like how he snaps his hand closed with each time. It's very forceful. It's very, Mm -hmm. it's, it's meant to be intimidating and it, it works very well. You know exactly what's going on with Fletcher. Right. It's also the fact his outfit being slacks and a tucked in black T-shirt is a power move. And he's also ripped. Yo, I don't know. J.K. Simmons was J.K. Simmons was doing some curls. Yeah. I don't know if he's one. always that ripped or if they told him like, yo, you got to get buff as hell for the movie because he looks great. And you tell him like you got to get buff as hell for the movie. And he like starts picking through his script again. He's like, wait, this is a this is a movie about a, a conductor, right? Like this is a drummer and a conductor. I got to get. Did I did I misread this? Um, he goes power move, baby. What did you think about the do you think you're out of tune scene? Oh, man. I forgot how that one shook out. I forgot the part at the end where he he calls out the other dude. And it's I mean, it's terrifying, especially yeah. because it's paired right after. E- even though I knew what happened the first time I watched this, I felt this too. But like he kind of gets on your good side a bit when he talks to Andrew out in the hallway and you think oh maybe he's just all talk and and uh, unapproachable but then once you get in he's actually a good teacher and he seems like he's going to be personable and maybe it's just an act like one of those inside the lines outside the lines guys and then that scene happens right after he he talks with Andrew and you think oh he's learning his backstory he learns it just to tear him down 15 seconds later 
and yeah when he just starts unleashing on the dudes in the class then you realize it and then he starts throwing in some like homophobic stuff and slurs and then you're like oh this guy's really not great so yeah i think yeah it's like it's full-blown monster at that yes, point. exactly. It turns him from intense teacher into, oh, I'm scared of this guy. He's not just intense. He's a bad person. Do you think you're out of tune? What are you, there's no fucking Mars bar down there. What are you looking at? Look up here. Look at me. Do you think you're out of tune? Yes. Then why the fuck didn't you say so? I've carried your fat ass for too long, Mets. I'm not going to have you cost us a competition because your mind's on a fucking happy meal instead of on pitch. Jackson, congratulations. You're fourth chair. Mets, why are you still sitting there? Get the fuck out. Yeah. And I like at the beginning of the scene when he says, all right, gang, whiplash. And it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the, oh, pointing yeah, at the TV. Yeah. Meme. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, on. and then we actually hear it. We actually hear whiplash a lot in this movie. But this this one I thought was a sports scene. I love how it, it starts. So it's he, he has the, you know, the little positive thing with Andrew or whatever. And then it's this great. It's probably my favorite film scene of the movie because it's got the the great shots kind of in and out of the band, close-ups of fingers mm-hmm. on instruments. The camera work is kind of, it's it's really wonderful. And then it takes this sharp right turn of him just ruining this guy, this trombone player's life, who was not even out of tune. And, right. And in the past in this podcast, I've done the brick wall test, like a coach that you would you would run through a brick wall to play for, which I always think of as like a player's coach, like a guy, mm-hmm. you, you know, the guy that you love or a guy who motivates you. For me, the brick wall test is not made out of fear. I don't right. you wouldn't run through a brick wall out of fear for anyone like you would you would run hard, but you wouldn't run through the brick wall. He he is not a player's coach, like throwing out this guy is beautiful and then when you get into the rushing or dragging portion, when he just he tears into Andrew, you're like, this isn't just like going to be a scenario where he has to prove this this coach wrong or he has to earn this guy's respect or something like that. It is we have a true villain. This is not going to be this is not going to be something we can remedy because this is not how a a a healthy person acts. No, and those were real slaps, right? Those had to be real slaps. That's in the IMDb <laughs> trivia, actually. They uh, they filmed several takes with him, Simmons only miming the slap. For the final take, Simmons and Teller decided to film the scene with a real genuine slap. This is the take that is used in the film. Yep, it's like the Michael B. Jordan punch in Creed, where they tried to do it without, and then they had to do it. So, yeah, I, love I, mean, seeing, I love seeing that video. The, the video, because <laughs> he just, boom. Yeah, it's rough. But, I mean... Yeah, it's I I would agree as someone that has had both tough love coaches and coach that you rally behind and the whole team wants to support. It's interesting to see it in the the group jazz ensemble because that feels more like a team sport and the super intense thing feels more like a solo coach thing. And Mm -hmm. you think you would want everyone to have morale and chemistry. and, And maybe that's why Fletcher hasn't done well i forget exactly what he says but it feels like they haven't done anything good in a couple of years and maybe it's because everyone's terrified and everyone hates each other and everyone's cut their like maybe that's the the problem here guy so yes i would agree he does not have a brick wall 
coaching vibe because you don't want to run through a brick wall for him. You're afraid he's going to build a brick wall around you like the cask of Amontillado. Like that's what you're <laughs> afraid of is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's he's absolutely terrifying. I want to I want to get to that uh, that point about the the team nature of the of the band here in a little bit. Brief, brief, just uh, nomination or want to briefly discuss the scene. Just dinner with the family just because Andrew talking shit about D3 football. Uh, four words you will never hear from the NFL. And then his dad Incredible. with the completely unnecessary line of or the Lincoln Center. Why, why did you have to get into this fight, dad? This I is know. between me and my brothers. Get out of here. Chill out. It's it's it's. Or what, are awesome. they his cousins? I was confused. There's about the cousins. Family. Okay, there's cousins. Yeah, he's yeah. got the he's got the broy D three football cousins. Mm-hmm. Right, and then his douchey uncle, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one, the when he he earns the part, which to me this reminded me of the skating scene in Miracle. Uh, with the punishment skating, except it's it's less inspiring. It's not meant to bring you up. Like he, he the bloods on the drums. He's doing the furious, exhausting drumming that we were kind of talking about. Like he gets the part, but when he gets the part, that guy he is mentally beat. Right, he, you're all, talking about all the one three where of those guys. All are three, beat. yeah, 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 all three. That they're is... doing yeah the three things, and they're just they're all just meant they're mentally beat after this. Like he wins the part. No one really wins in that. Like Fletcher has. Fletcher is mentally broken, the three of them, and we see that later in the movie with Andrew. Right, and it sucks that the whole bringing in the the Irish guy, Flannery, uh, the whole thing of him, and you know it once you see it. He's doing you know it just to mess with Andrew. You know it's mm-hmm. totally just to get in his head, but he still has to earn it. I feel bad for all the other mus- musicians that have to just like leave and just wait. That sucks. You're a trombone player. You just got to wait two hours. Oh, atrocious. And then what's so bad about it is they've been trying to win the part for two hours. And it's like, okay, now we can practice. Get ready to do it. This hard drum thing you've been trying to nail. Like, oh, God, that's got to suck so much. That's life with the tyrant. Yeah, dude. Just awful. Uh, Okay, so the the next one is it's essentially we we were messaging about this. The scene where Andrew eventually loses the part. This is to me, it's like that. It's like the long run of Goodfellas where Ray Liotta is doing cocaine and being very paranoid that the FBI is watching him. And then, it, you know, at the end of that scene, you find out, yes, the FBI actually was the, the feds actually were on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is as anxiety filled a situation as I can remember in the movie, that bus getting the flat and renting the car and leaving his sticks at the rental car place. And you know, you see him, see him leave the sticks and you're just like, Oh fuck. And he gets there and he's all sweaty. And then the car wreck and then getting out of the car wreck. And I, and then it it, like, whenever you think it's done, like Mm -hmm. he, you wreck the car and it's like, Oh my God, he's done. Like he's, he's lost this part. It's going to like whatever. And then it's like, Oh no, it's worse. Like he just showed up covered in blood. Oh no, it gets worse. He just dropped the stick while they're performing that because for some reason, Fletcher fucking let him get on that drum set for the performance. Oh no, it's even worse. He just tackled Fletcher. Like how this needs to stop getting bad. It is just an erosion of this character in, you know, all of five minutes. Right. It is one of those, how could it get any worse? And then it just does seven different times. I forgot he tackled Fletcher too. So I, I thought that him just failing was, was the lowest low of a scene of lows and lows and lows. I tried to fast forward through it and I failed. I forgot how long. So I really only fast forwarded through the, the bus going down and then he like gets back in the rental car and I was like, Oh no. And it was too late. And then I ended up watching it. It was terrible, but it was great. Cause that's like, <laughs> that's the point of the movie. But yeah, man. And the other thing that I realized is the movie kind of 
it tricks you into thinking that this is going to work out because up until this point, everything works out for Andrew from getting recognized in the first place to being super lucky with whatever happens to the, the binder of music. Do we ever learn the truth behind it? So it just... I was going to ask you, do you think Fletcher took the binder? Or had someone take the binder? I, I thought Fletcher took it. Uh, my, Fletcher my, took it my thing is Fletcher like saw it out there and was like, fuck that and took it and then threw it away or, or hit it, especially because he yelled at him. And once the guy says, here, hold this, I was like, you dolt, <laughs> you yeah. can't do this. So, the th- everything works out for Andrew up until this. He gets the girl. He gets in like he gets into the school. He gets the part. He gets the girl. He gets he gets into the thing. He gets the part in the thing. Like everything's going right for him. So you think when he finally gets there, holy crap. Especially like even within that scene. It's like, wow, he got the rental car and he got there in time. This is wild. You just keep having hope. And then from that moment on, everything goes wrong for him. And then it just keeps happening. Goes on. He tries calling Nicole. Like that goes wrong. It's just wrong after wrong after wrong after wrong until the final scene it is just the the movie does such a good job of keeping you on the edge of your seat the whole time things are just going up and up and up and up and you think things are going well for him and then it is just crushing how quickly it all falls away yeah i mean he's you know he goes from winning that part that he's worked so hard for to out of the school in like 10 minutes movie time maybe right Um, and that that goes into when andrew and fletcher get drinks you hear fletcher's side of things and he's still an asshole. There's no, it's another, like, there's no redemption. There's no remorse. Like, he's a, a stuck in his ways asshole. You, we can't help but not respect this desire to be great or at least understand. You understand where he's coming from in a point, but you, us as the viewer, we're, just, we're not meant to redeem this man in our eyes. There's just nothing. He's, he's too far gone. Maybe he started out with good intentions and he probably had a bunch of, instructors that were just like him but fletcher fletcher's far gone at that point and i yeah and you know for a fact when he asked andrew to come drum with him like that 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 kind of rolls into the finale of like andrew had to see this shit coming right like are you fucking kidding me like yeah you don't think that he knows that you're the one who who ratted him out like are you come on man i remember when i first watched it i kept thinking dude he has to know come on come on and then it just kept it then it just keeps going and i'm like maybe Maybe he didn't. And then just as you start to have those thoughts, you know, he he says, you think I'm fucking stupid. Um, yeah, that yeah. I mean, when he says that, like, you're like, oh, JK oh, is God. pissed. You think I'm fucking stupid? What? I know it was you. And the thing is, even though J.K. Simmons' character, Fletcher's being a complete asshole and just like has no sadness about the fact that he forced a guy to commit suicide base or caused a guy to commit suicide that is just the way he talks about it of ugh, someone from sean someone put someone from sean casey's class up to it which i guess maybe isn't as bad since he knew it was andrew from the jump so maybe that's like not actually has how he feels but trying to throw him off the scent yeah so maybe that's not how he actually feels but like i think that probably is how he feels he's just being very flippant about a kid who had severe anxiety it caused from his class and all that being said jk simmons is such a convincing actor that part of you like is convinced like part of you is like but but what if (laughs) you kind of wanted to believe that he was he was giving andrew the second shot but then Mm -hmm. they have that they have he has that moment where he you know he he preps them that you know this this could change your life and then on the other hand if you mess up Mm -hmm. like it's gonna you know it's gonna ruin your life forever it's like oh fuck 
Yeah, this movie has a bit of Shutter Island vibes where if you watch it a second time, so many things point out as, uh, that you don't really notice the first time. You can see the writing on the wall. The other thing about that scene that is nice is putting Fletcher in a olive green button-down shirt instead (laughs) of a tight-fitting black t-shirt is such a different power. He feels like an entirely different human. And he talks a little more sunken and and talks a little slower and more sad and and more calm, which all maybe could have just been an act to try to get Andrew. Uh, But I guess it wasn't like some harebrained scheme. Like, there's no way he could have plotted this. He just saw Andrew in there and then was like, I'm going to screw this kid over. It's not like this was all a ruse to get Andrew. But yeah, it's just seeing him in that button down is just... I don't know. Like maybe, maybe I'm skewed because I worked for a, a startup for a little bit, a digital marketing company where the CEO did the wear a black t-shirt every single day thing, because I don't want to decide what clothes I wear, you know, like it's oh, a yeah. waste of my time. So I wear jeans and a black t-shirt, which is such bullshit, but it is the thing that like, like it is a power move to be a black t-shirt guy. Dollar general version of Steve jobs. Every startup yeah, I mean, guy who does that. Yeah. <laughs> Except the thing is this dude did, uh, I don't, I don't want to put too much on blast, uh, but I will say he, he did always wear incredibly expensive shoes. So, okay. uh, it, you okay. know, that part was never a decision, but he did decide what a very expensive, multiple hundreds, sometimes thousand dollar sneakers he would wear. So <laughs> must be nice. Must, must be, nice. be super nice. <laughs> so with um, with Fletcher, the, the thing I have to ask about this last scene is he I mean, he sets up sets up Andrew to fail. And if Andrew has does not take initiative like he does and just like really go for it. He he's screwed like these people have seen him fail, you know, whatever Fletcher kind of tells us before the before they go out on stage that if you fail in front of these people, you might as well change your career profession or something like that. But he's leading this band. He's got all these other people. This is the ultimate psycho. Like, I'm going to light the ship on fire while I haven't gotten off. You know, I haven't gotten off board yet. Like, what are I don't see how I understand. Listen. I get revenge. Revenge is great. Love love a good, you know, a good instance of revenge. But Fletcher is like cutting off like cutting off his nose to spite his face here. Yeah, I think the way it presents itself in the movie, and I think what he was hoping to go for is clearly everyone else is fine. And it's just the drummer that looks awful. Because unlike in the other one when Andrew is all bloodied and stuff he's playing so poorly that everybody stops whereas they finish the entire song and Andrew even it's not like he's completely horrendous he just can't figure out exactly what he's supposed to be doing and the song still goes on and everyone's fine so I I think everyone else would be okay I don't know that he's necessarily screwing everyone else forever because I think people would be smart enough to know that wow the drummer was screwing up but I think he does remove the chance of any of those people getting good opportunities. I don't think he's going to end anyone's career except for Andrew. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best scene in this one? Oh, it's the last scene. It, it just has to be. It's so it's it's so powerful. It is just and you got to start from like the beginning of it because the whole roller coaster of wow, this is going to work out for Andrew, and then mm-hmm. uh oh, big plot twist from the villain, and then oh look, his dad is there. Oh no, his dad is there, uh, and then the, his dad running out after him when he first starts to when he leaves the stage. Uh, like that's crushing. When he finally has the moment to say turn around and screw it, that's great. And then even even the ending of it, it makes you it makes you think because instinctually you want to be like yeah, Andrew did it, but also. Fletcher still won 
Like, you you can't just feel good, like, yay, he overcame him. Because, no, Fletcher's still going to look great, even though he really did nothing to make that final song happen. Uh, it's, yeah, this it's one good. leaves you with a lot of questions. Oh, 100%. You, you really, like, you really truly wonder, like, what does it look like from here? Is there a moment of understanding when they, you know, when they leave the stage? And Because Fletcher and Andrew, were, I'm going to get into this, not all that different. No, not, no, not, not all that, all. not all that different whatsoever. So, no. I mean, th- this is the finale is the, I mean, it is the, the best scene. It's, it's right. great. Just honorable mention to the, the, do you think you're out of tune scene and mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the rushing or dragging thing where Fletcher really takes a step into villainhood. It is, it's a powerful, that, that, that's the first scene in the movie that like knocks you back on your seat. You're like, oh fuck. Like JK Simmons is here to here to do business right the scenes in this movie also have a bit of a toy story franchise effect where you can say toy story 2 is better than toy story 1 but it wouldn't be as good without the thing that came before it and the same of three and probably not the same of four, but still the, that's what the thing with the scene is the reason all of the subsequent scenes get better is because the stakes are higher but it's also because of what we know from the previous scenes so it, it's hard to necessarily single them all out but it's impossible not to pick that last scene and yeah, yeah it the, all the, builds on itself right and then getting back to what you were saying about the understanding between the two of them is when they kind of lock eyes and smirk at each other i i when i watch it i just say oh no because now like fletcher's got him and you knew fletcher had him once he starts saying you know get you in the band and when they're getting drinks like andrew's completely hooked back in andrew wants it at all costs even if it means you know having to work under this guy again and I think I think ultimately in the end, like, yeah, Andrew kind of proved a point, but I think Fletcher still wins. And that is not a great taste to leave in your mouth of if you were rooting for the hero, but it's incredible choice for the film. Yeah, because what Andrew does in that last scene is what Fletcher has always wanted one of his mm-hmm. people to do. Exactly. And so and that's is. what sucks about it is that he walked exactly into his trap and like, sure, you could say this is what Andrew wants, but... Is it the way he wanted it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, take a quick ad break and get back with our best quote. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so we're back. Best quote in this one. I I only actually, I, I just wrote down, I wrote down two. Oh, I have a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I wrote down the two. For me, it is because it, there's a lot. I, I wrote down two, and I deleted. Oh, I wrote down like quite a few, and then I deleted a bunch because okay. to me, these two stand out. The were you rushing or dragging? Mm-hmm. But like said as as Simmons is screaming, them, like, yeah. Were you rushing or dra-? not? Like right, the right. not the initial, and it it's because of what it means. To the, it is when he's talking about rushing or dragging, he is turning into this full villain. Why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman? I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Uh-huh. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Or are you going to be on my fucking time? I'm going to be on your time. And then the in the last scene, the do you think I'm fucking stupid? Yeah, I knew really it was good. you. And you're just like, oh, he knew. Mm-hmm. He knew. Yeah. I think that's the best one, but I I, I did take a lot of quote. Uh, I I did take a lot of notes for some good quotes. Um, when when the guy who says he can't memorize it, he says it's a medical condition. He goes medical condition, medical condition. What are you fucking Sanjay Gupta? <laughs> <laughs> He's got uh, so Fletcher like Fletcher is a massive dick. Very funny. Like yeah, he problem- has. <laughs> yeah, he has. A, he has a very good sense of humor. Like most most tyrants and most miserable people are like. So he like here's the thing like he, so all these like all these we get into the political sense all these Republicans try to be Donald Trump and like be this massive racist grifting dickhead mm-hmm. but there's one thing Donald Trump has going for him is that like he has a sense of timing sometimes like he can oh, actually he's be a performer he's a yeah performer. he can he can actually be legitimately funny like he's he fucking sucks but he can actually be funny Fletcher is really funny in this movie in quite a few places. Right. The problem with Fletcher is that half the time he says something that is incredibly homophobic or fatphobic or whatever. So half of his insults are just incredibly cruel, but I think that is to set up and let the viewer know that this guy is a huge asshole. So when he throws an insult that is not actually offensive in any way, it's so funny. And then J.K. Simmons is just absolutely incredible with his deliveries perfect so it, it really nails so yeah what are you fucking sanjay gupta was great um it's division three is really good so and then good. right after in the scene uh he says oh you catch on quick what are you in model un <laughs> that whole oh. that whole uh 
the family the family scene is such an interesting dynamic i i'm at first i was like it's kind of weird that we're here because the whole movie is basically just andrew and fletcher but it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to get that dynamic into how he's viewed in his own family and he's got these meathead cousins and stuff like that and there's and it's just like oh he can stick up for himself a little bit because before then you haven't you haven't really seen that you've seen him be more the nervous energy guy right and i think it's also him finally getting to a point like he's at this the school he's at is supposed to be juilliard they just i guess couldn't legally do it because the lincoln center is part of juilliard so it is very much that he's going to juilliard like it's in new york everything so he's in like he says at the dinner i'm in the the best jazz band in the best school so i'm the best drummer and i think he's finally just had enough of this crap where nobody has respected his music thing the way they even said and you're doing your music so i think it's just him and it, and it sets the stage for eventually that oh the devastating scene where he dumps nicole just i think it just kind of sets up him a little bit being like yeah i am hot shit and then that later is when he when he yells at when he yells at fletcher to say no way there's like this they're not taking my part it, it shows that he starts to get a little too cocky in his newfound success mm-hmm Mm-hmm. yeah what for you is the most authentic part about this movie? oh can i do sorry can i do a couple oh you more got more <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, rip them off yeah so just rattle them off uh this one isn't a quote but when it says the day of the music competition when he's in the bus you just know something has to go wrong oh, yeah, there has yeah. not been text in the whole movie this cannot be good <laughs> i mean it's literally it's literally like in goodfellas i can't remember the exact date but it, it, that scene where ray liotta is like starts out and mm-hmm. he's just like strung out it start. it's a certain date i can't remember what it is right but right like, right same thing so ominous uh i like <laughs> when he finally gets here he says fuck you johnny utah and turn my pages bitch <laughs> the only reason you're a fucking core is because you misplaced a folder the only reason you're in studio band to begin with is because i told you exactly what i'd be asking for in nassau Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I'm in studio band because I'm the hey, best why don't you player. Just back off, fuck off, Johnny Utah. Turn my pages, bitch. Uh, Wait, did I did I miss that? Where did the Johnny Utah thing come from? That's in when he gets there after the the bus breakdown scene and stuff, and they're going to give it to the the Irish guy instead. So then he says, "Did I miss why they're calling? Why he's calling him Johnny Utah? I think though, it's or just, is he just think, like that. I seems like it'd be a good insult. I think it's just because he looks like a jock, and Johnny Utah <laughs> is a jock. So I, I think that's what he was going for. But then what's also fun about it is that when when Fletcher and Andrew are arguing, Fletcher then says, "You know, you got to be, you have to be back here in ten minutes, otherwise Johnny Utah, otherwise I'm giving <laughs> your part to Johnny Utah." So he kind of acknowledges, "Yeah, it was a pretty good insult. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it too." <laughs> I mean, and if you know, if the insult King Fletcher wants to use your insult, like, there you are. You've done good work. Mm -hmm. This one isn't necessarily a line, but it's just I thought it was a good response when Fletcher gives his whole good job monologue. And then Andrew asks, but is there a line? And then Fletcher goes, no. I also think that was Andrew completely blowing his cover because (laughs) you can't you can't do that. Um, And then, oh, (laughs) when uh, when. Fletcher is talking about the the first dude who he, who Andrew took the part from the uh, he he says he switched to pre-med I guess he got discouraged which is just so great to switch to like the most hard the, the most, most challenging yeah medical <laughs> the medical field you're gonna be pre-med I guess he got discouraged but then yeah uh you think I'm fucking stupid is just untouched and then uh the mouthed thing where he says fuck you that's also very good as is when uh when 
when he when he hits the symbol to hit jk simmons in the face very fun um but then that also was, like, that's a great move like that's not even mm-hmm. a line but it's like a like that moment is so i right, forgot right, about right. that like that whole that duel between them and it's like it's a silent duel in a way for a lot of it. It's done a lot of like facial expressions and how they're, how they're delivering their, their brief lines. It's just, right. it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a, it's like a wizarding duel. Oh yeah. And then the last <laughs> thing I have is just like a, the first time you can really see that Andrew's gambit that he's doing is working is when Fletcher says, Andrew, what are you doing? Man uh, saying man at the end of that is, Ooh, Andrew's got the upper hand here. But then I think Fletcher takes it back in the end with, mm-hmm. you know, making, making the performance end on the perfect note. Yeah. That way. So it, it kind of puts the, they're on like equal footing. Now that like he's talking to him, he's talking to him like a peer at that point. It's exactly. talking to him, someone with a little control as opposed mm-hmm. to the guy whose life he was trying to ruin 30 seconds prior. Yeah. He doesn't throw um, an insult at him. He calls him man. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the the most authentic part of this one, I, I mine was pretty simple. Someone in power abusing that power, and that power mm-hmm. costing someone everything. And it caught off screen, it, it costs someone their life. But someone who gets, I mean, Fletcher. It, we hear when he when he talks to Andrew in, in over drinks, you know, talking about what he was motivated by. And I'm sure I'm sure there was a Fletcher before Fletcher that right. you know was was Fletcher's teacher, but Fletcher. Fletcher got lost in the sauce. He right. he left behind good intentions long ago. He might still think, he might still look in the mirror and tell himself that he's doing right by these 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 kids he's he's coaching or you know these kids he's he's instructing. But the the power has completely warped his sense of right and wrong. Right. It is the classic thing where someone justifies being horrible and incredibly selfish and using people as pawns by convincing themselves, oh, I'm making this person better by doing this. And if they can't do it, then what it actually means is that they weren't meant to do this or they weren't good enough or they weren't tough enough or whatever. And I'm doing them a favor by having them not waste their time on it. But it's all bullshit. It's just all lying to yourself. That's not Mm -hmm. true. That's just you having no concern for anyone else being sociopathic, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the Bud Kilmer thing from varsity blues. It's that same parallel. It's I'm, you know, I'm saying I'm doing this for the kids and I'm a good coach and you know, all that shit. But it's like, no, you just, you just want to win football games. That's all you care about. You don't care about your kids. You don't care about anyone else except Mm -hmm. your own personal goals. Right. Uh, What did you have as the most authentic part of this one? I honestly think that I I think that's that's what I have uh, is just someone someone who is manipulative convincing themselves that they're actually doing the right thing and anyone that disagrees with them is incorrect and and they just aren't seeing what I'm actually doing and, and how I'm actually being helpful. What was the least authentic part of this one? So I have one. I think the least authentic moment of all is when he comes into that first class and the people can't even play a note. Some of the some of the musicians can't even play a a note. Like the trumpet guy just goes, and maybe it's because he's really nervous. But if you even if you're a first year student, if you're a Juilliard, uh, I think what was well done in the movie is when and it's got to be so hard to play well, but just not well enough where it doesn't sound perfect. And I get that probably for the purposes of the movie, they had to make it sound bad enough for someone watching it goes oh that does sound bad but i thought it was a little too hammy just that some of the instrument people can't even hold a note that just felt like something 
someone at Juilliard would not do. Like, I feel like the worst person at Juilliard is still really fucking good. Yeah, no, that that's I didn't even notice that, but that's a that's a very very good point. And that because yeah, he goes in that class, and it's I mean he's not he's clearly there just for Andrew. Like he mm-hmm. planned that, but it's it's still like. So like they're basically like shitting notes out of their mouths. It's just not, yeah. doesn't sound good at all. And some people are fine, but just some the fact that a couple of them are just is just feels unbelievable to me. Yeah, I already already really touched on mine. Is that like it's there's no way Andrew couldn't have seen that coming. There's no way you had he had yeah, to be dude. so wildly naive to think that Fletcher didn't know it was him. Like right. Fletcher, hmm, I've gotten away with this shit for you know. 10, 15 years, however long I've been teaching at Schaefer. And then suddenly a kid gets hit by a car or like gets in a car wreck and then comes in bloody, tackles me, screams. And then a few months later I get fired because someone has said that I'm like an abusive teacher. Hmm. Can't put two and two together. No, it must, must just be a wild coincidence. Like, of course he knew. What are you doing? And unless, I mean, Andrew in some ways is a glutton for punishment. Like he, even if like, even if Fletcher like hinted him in like, you know, lean him in on it of, you know, I, you know, I know it was you, but let's like let bygones be bygones or something like that. I still think Andrew probably takes that gig, but like right. to be completely surprised by him at the end, like, come on, man, you had to have some sort of, some sort of game plan for that. Yeah. I think the least believable aspect of it is not necessarily him going, but the fact that he wouldn't be a little paranoid that something like this might happen. I just wanted him to just talk to any other musician, just small talk and be like, Hey, we're playing, we're playing caravan, right? Or, you know, just ask what we're playing whiplash, right? Just something where you think he would have maybe saw it coming a little bit if he had that much time to think about it. So yeah, but also it's one of those things where it's a movie and you got to just think that Andrew is just completely clouded by his desire. So, you know, you got to give the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you just got to chalk it up to that moment is so good that I will, I will let it pass because him just turning, locking eyes saying, I'm not fucking stupid. And then the lights going out. Oh, it's so good. I, I want to roll that actually into what didn't work because there's, there's less of that to cover. And I want to talk about his like relationship with bandmates. You're, you're not meant to believe that Andrew has a lot of friends. He even says as much in the, mm-hmm. the family dinner, but it is interesting that there is no, aside from whoever he is getting phone calls from when he is trying to drive to the the competition when he's going to back to pick up right. his sticks and stuff there's very little he has very little rapport with any of the other band he is very much on an island and maybe that's maybe that can be how how bands are but i think it's it's more it's it's just kind of crazy that there's and I mean, it's part of the movie. This movie is about these two guys and this mental duel that's going on. It's not really about, it's not about a band. But right. typically, there you'd think there would be just a little more rapport in there. I, I don't know if the movie's missing that. Like, I mean, it seems, again, there's no wasted space in this one. It's just about two guys. But I'm kind of wondering if there's any, if there's a scene in there that showed him at least like, maybe not like hanging out outside of school or something, but at least like, engaging in some sort of conversation or some sort of friendly banter with with the band or at least like hey man Fletcher like this guy kind of sucks right like there's there's not even there's not even really a ton of that so it's kind of an interesting to me it felt almost like an omission yeah I would be interested to hear from someone in this position someone at a Juilliard or really intense school in this intense position if it's something where like Andrew's approach to Nicole where you just have to focus so hard on what you're doing that you can't even be bothered to waste time at all but yeah it feels like you would have some sort of camaraderie with it just any anything at all but 
I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know from experience, so I, I can't speak to it, but maybe it's just, and maybe it's because the music is highly individualized. You have your part, you have a conductor. It's not like a rock band where you have to feel it out. You've got someone conducting the whole thing. Your sheet music is telling you exactly what to play. So maybe you don't necessarily need to vibe with everyone. And maybe everyone just has that similar approach of, I can't have any distractions, so I just got to focus on me and, and not worry about anybody else, not get attached because all these people get moved in and out, rapid fire, etc. Yeah, it might be a fear thing. It might be a, I'm not, I'm not talking about Fletcher with anyone because I don't need him to find out. I don't need to get ratted out on. Or maybe Fletcher yells at anyone that is trying to be friendly or has, mm-hmm. maybe that's it. Maybe he's kicked people out in the past for being friends with each other. Who knows? When in doubt, blame Fletcher. Did you have anything else that, that didn't really work in this one? Not really. I mean, I touched on it a little bit, but like you can tell sometimes when the, the music doesn't necessarily hit the, the drumming, but that is just, that's just, abs- given how fast the drums are and stuff, that's just going to be impossible, and it would take them 100 million years to edit the movie, so... I, th- I think that's really it. I mean, the movie just works really well. I, a very minor thing is it's supposed to take place in New York, but maybe this is just because I live in New York, but any scene that wasn't shot in New York, I was like, that's Los Angeles. Because uh, <laughs> I know part of the movie yeah, that, was filmed in LA. That stuff, uh, living living here just outside of San Antonio, you'd be surprised, but I miss, I, I did not get those details. No. Yeah, the, the, the jazz bar that he goes to with Fletcher, that is not New York City. That's the most time where I was like, that is not New York, but some of the other parts you can tell where it is. But I mean, that's just a minor thing. <laughs> Let's talk what worked. I, I think the biggest thing is you go into this movie and you think it could be about this one, this obsessive psychopath, this this coach, you know, this domineering guy and some naive guy who just likes drumming just wants to be the best. Like this one works because it's about two purely obsessed people. One has right. crossed over to this dark side of there's no return. We've, you know, we've talked that to death at this point, but they're Andrew is is very much that you you could imagine that young Fletcher was a lot like Andrew. He is very obsessed. He has turned off other aspects of his life. The breakup scene with Nicole in particular oh. is is brutal. It's I mean it's yeah. it's incredibly dickish, and it's the first time that you're like, man, this like this is supposed to this is our hero in this movie, but he is not he he is not in a good place. He is not he doesn't have his priorities in order really. And like he thinks he does. He's all about drumming. He reminded me of a lot of what you read about a young Kobe Bryant. I was going to say, yeah, where, where, especially if you read Jeff Perlman's book, three ring circus, which is about that, that Kobe who, you know, before, cause Kobe arguably later in his life, figured out things as a husband and as a father and was, you know, had, had seemingly well-rounded his life in a place that jumping into the NBA, 18 year old Kobe, all he wanted to do was play basketball and and kill whoever was guarding him. And yeah. that is a lot of how Andrew takes on, you know, takes on drumming. And it, Shaq was just on Chris Long's podcast and he was talking about that. Shaq was like, you know, I like playing basketball, but like had my stuff going on off the court and, uh, you know, did my music, did movies, whatever. Kobe just wanted to do basketball 24-7. And that's how, that's how Andrew is. And that, le- that lack of, that lack of balance in his life really leads him when he loses that when when Fletcher you know takes it away when he he tackles him when he's all bloody and stuff it's because he doesn't have anything to fall back on when right. everything is taken away from him yeah for sure I mean I think you could talk about Kobe Bryant's mamba mentality whatever you could say that about both Fletcher and Andrew in this movie and I think that gets to your point earlier that they're very similar and you could even see like you were just saying that that Andrew could be a, a young Fletcher if you will so yeah I think that's I think that's 
exactly spot on. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, it's a really good performance by Teller. It's it's such a shame. I, I think the day we're recording this, the yesterday of the day we're recording this, the uh, they moved the Top Gun sequel back again to, I think, um, Memorial Day weekend of next year. So oh, it's no. another delay in that movie. And that is really like, because Miles Teller has done some interesting stuff since then. He did, uh, he did the boxing movie that the name escapes me. He did um, two movies that are very similar. One is, it's like only the brave. One is about firefighters. One is about soldiers returning from war, kind of like similar vein kind of things. But he's in this Top Gun sequel. It's going to be interesting what this vaults him to, because at that point he's going to have enough cachet to do whatever he wants. But coming off this, like you you feel really good about Miles Teller, and then he's complimented by this J.K. Simmons performance that is, you you have to buy into this guy because if he's just a crazy person, but you don't see how he could get his claws into someone and like drive them that crazy, but also force them into submission, really, the movie doesn't work, and J.K. Simmons is off the wall fucking good in this one. Right, yeah. Andrew's hope and his innocence that slowly just turns him from oh he's a nice sweet guy he he's awkward around the girl he asks her out he's he and his dad watch movies together and he just wants to be good at this music school and then just put raisinets and popcorn (laughs) wild choice andrew very correct to say that he doesn't like that but then yeah you just see him get completely turned into a horrible person that is just one track minded tunnel vision and doesn't care about who gets in his way how he treats other people. He just gets corrupted by this awful person. Yeah. You know what else really works in this movie? Jazz is fucking delightful. Dude, just, yeah. I was going to just wonderful music. Just so good. So yeah. good. I can, I can see why when I was first searching for Whiplash to figure out where to stream it, the first response was Whiplash full soundtrack. So, uh, yeah, I... I very much i'm not a huge jazz guy but i i like all of the jazz that they play in this the really high tense high tempo intense like with all the really intense drumming it makes me want to listen to to jazz more often yeah all the music really works i would highly recommend going to a jazz club i'm sure as someone who lives in new york city i would imagine you have choices Yes, uh, I've been I've been to a few and there was a really cool place. I unfortunately never got to do this, but when I lived in Seattle, there was a cider bar cider bar called Capital City Cider, and on Monday nights they would do like the equivalent of an open mic night but for jazz and then basically you would sign up and say what instrument you were and then they would just call up you know a keyboardist a bassist a guitarist a singer and a drummer and then you'd all get on stage and then pick whatever song to do and then just do it and unfortunately it was always monday nights and that's when i had improv practice for my improv team so i never got to do it but i always wanted to it's just it's so cool and and that's the kind of thing i would do and I've, I've been to just some some bars that also happen to play jazz in the basement kind of thing, and that's always a good time. Always a good time. If you are listening to this in Austin, Texas, or within reasonable driving distance of Austin, Texas, or plan to visit Austin, Texas, as one does, uh, go to the Parker Jazz Club. It is It makes for a very lovely evening. It is very worth uh, buying some tickets and going. Uh, my wife and I have been twice. It is wonderful. But um, yeah, jazz in this movie. Great, great, and the mm-hmm. the camera work in in alignment with the jazz, especially yeah, yeah. when when things are going. The shot in this movie, the bloody hand into the ice water. Oh man, is yes. is incredible when he mm-hmm. like he's he's just finished that that vicious practice session. He sticks it in, and it's that slow filling of the water with blood. Just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, that's really good. All of the way the final scene is shot too, just from going for the full band to the zoom ins to the slow mo stuff on the symbol to the part where it's 
back and forth of everyone playing and then the drum solos when jk simmons is doing little finger guns and then it goes to miles teller doing intense drum stuff and back and forth that really works all of the the zoom ins on people's faces throughout the cinematography is off the charts it's Mm -hmm. really good and the combination of that with the sound design the times when they fade in and fade out of the music or isolate one particular noise or or whatever all of that stuff is just it really adds to the emotion and they convey a lot of different emotions without words being in there it's it's really well done you mentioned it about the last scene like how much work does the light does the lighting in that scene do that mm-hmm. in and out of the darkness and the darkening on JK Simmons's face when he you know when he when he outs Andrew for letting him know that that he rat him out like it is that that does so much work in setting that mood and making you feel how anxious you are in that moment yeah it it really works every everything in the movie works together to convey the emotion they want you to feel from the acting to the sound to the the way it's shot it's good it's a yeah. really good movie really what really well it's it's no wonder that the, he got to go do la la land after this mm-hmm. um the kevin costner and freddie prince jr awards for best and worst on-screen athlete i think we've kind of we've kind of talked everyone you know it, it mainly focused on what teller does but there's nothing there's nothing in this movie that takes you out of like oh that person doesn't know how to play the trombone or something like that like it's all right it's all pretty bang up job yeah i would have to talk with someone who knew all the instruments to see because sometimes in the background of stuff you'll see people playing instruments really weird really weirdly i i did i didn't watch bridgerton but my wife did and i saw it in the background i also i also watched bridgerton okay the the person playing the harp is certainly not playing the harp right like and that's it barely in the background but i saw it and i rewinded and and showed my listen you turn on my you turn on bridgerton you're turning it on to watch hot hot british people right well like that harp player is like laughably not playing the harp so i wonder if maybe you know, maybe they got everyone. They cast it like, "Hey, we need we need someone to be an extra and just like play the trumpet and look convincing." That's probably very easy for them to do. And they also maybe just got legit musicians because not a lot of other people speak in this movie. So, well, that makes our next category very di- the Lenny Harris Pinch Hit Award for Best Supporting Character. I had oh yeah two nominees. I had Paul Reiser's Andrew's dad. We stand oh, a dad who cares. So we stand good. a good dad. He he's does wonderful. so good. Highly underrated part of the film. Yeah, I and I also great. love Paul Reiser. Like yes. love Paul Reiser, eighties icon, loading up the pantry with gushers. What a move! <laughs> yeah, he's a great dad. There's there's a couple scenes throughout where you really like it. I mean, I already mentioned when when he runs out of his seat to go comfort his son. Amazing. There's mm-hmm. a part where he says something. He says something like the the thing I care most about life and is you, whatever that is. Uh, just yeah, he's really good, and I forgot how good he was as the dad, but he's fantastic. He's he's awesome. If anyone out there is a big Paul Reiser fan, Red Oaks on Amazon Prime is a three season show about mm. it's like an eighties country club and like guy like some college age people like just trying to figure it out. It is a very wonderful show. Paul Reiser's in it. Everyone go, everyone go check it out. Great, great right. stuff. Um, the other for supporting character, Melissa Benoit is Nicole. Like I hope that Fordham guy she found and started dating was a lovely person because she deserved it after going out with Andrew. I hope so too. I hope she. I hope she found new friends. I hope she picked what major she wanted. I hope she's very happy. But yeah, I, I think she does. She does well. She's not in it as much. She's not like mm-hmm. as important. But I would. I would give the nod to the dad. I would give yeah. the nod to Paul Reiser here. Yeah, absolutely. The big chill. I think the obvious is kind of that the finale when he takes control and when he finally 
wins the approval of Fletcher, even though you don't you don't care for him to win the approval of Fletcher because fuck Fletcher. That that moment where he takes control and starts rolling through the songs he knows. I think I think that's probably the easy call. Yeah, when when he starts to take over and saying I'll cue you in and it starts to work. I think that's that's really good. Another underrated big chill. It's it's certainly not as big, but it's a nice moment when when Andrew's the understudy to Flannery or whatever the the Irish guy, and they're going back and forth with J.K. Simmons, and then J.K. Simmons says, "Drums, come with me." And Flannery starts to go, and he goes, "No, the other one." <laughs> like that's yeah. a really good moment of oh shit, he got it. So I th- I think that's it. That's an early one, but yeah, you can't. That last scene is just the culmination of everything you've been feeling up until that last scene, especially once you get hit with the biggest gut punch of all of, oh no, do you think I'm fucking stupid? To then have Andrew succeed and, you know, he he's, his dad's hugging him and then he turns around and starts to do it. That's really good. And then also when they cut back to his dad looking through the crack in the door while he's doing well, that, oh, that facial expression is just like the, 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 the astonishment and how proud the father is, is so great. We love a proud dad. We just love Gotta a proud love dad, though. <laughs> awesome stuff. How would you improve this movie? I will I will say I don't I don't really have anything. I'm not really sure there's one there's not really anything you can cut. That's that's kind of the initial go-to for a lot of these movies we cover on this podcast. Is like you didn't really need this, you didn't really need this. I feel like everything in this movie is an essential building block. Like we have these random offshoot scenes with Nicole, but you need that because you need the breakup to show how right singularly focused andrew is getting Mm -hmm. you the family dinner is interesting insight about how he's viewed with his family and how he's suddenly starting to view himself now that he's he's won you know first chair as the drummer there's not really any like fat to trim on this one i think the only thing i would maybe change is just something with the something to try to make the make it more believable that andrew wouldn't see this coming and i think the only way to do that is to try to make the time between jk to make the time between Fletcher offering it and them doing it shorter because the fact that he has a whole how at least one day to think about it is I, I feel that to be unbelievable so maybe if it was something where he he did and he was like oh it's tonight you know and it's like oh it's tonight but don't worry we're playing whiplash and you already know it's something where he has less time to process it and, and his brain is more scatterbrained where he's not thinking about it as much that's like the only thing but Again, that's so minor, and I I think this movie is absolutely fantastic, so I don't really know that there's much you got to do, if anything. Yeah, you know what's funny to think about is Fletcher fired a drummer who was about to play in front of those people who like could change his career for some petty bullshit. Yep, but that's the kind of guy he is. You're that, that not is, surprising. That <laughs> is exactly that guy. the type of thing you would do. Before more Source, sequel, prequel, or prequel, sequel, or remake, I... I mean, you're not. This movie is in 2014. We'll probably see a remake at some point, like 15 years. Like someone will be like, "Hey, IP." I hope not, man. I really hope it never gets remade because it's one. It's the same thing. And and in Spider-Man, they didn't do this where you can't recast J. Jonah Jameson as anyone else. So I think it's the same thing. If you do this movie again and it's not J.K. Simmons, you're kidding yourself. It has well, to be him. We might end up seeing, and I'm. I would bet this has already been pitched in some studio. It's Whiplash, but rugby right whiplash but with piano or it's whiplash but with the tambourine yeah i would i'd sign up for that one (laughs) but yeah whiplash with the triangle but no i i think you can't do it if if anything i would want to see a sequel just to see what happens between the two two of them because i'm very intrigued to see 
what's what conversation happens afterwards does fletcher completely win where he's got andrew under his wing or is andrew having more of a fuck you approach like he did to decide to play i'm choosing what song we all play now so i think that the other thing i forgot to mention that didn't work there's like no there's barely any women musicians in this and maybe yeah. that's the that might be that might world. be fletcher though i'm not sure i mean also yes fletcher's not i don't think fletcher's taken many women for his band i don't right. think women should be in fletcher's band i don't think no mm. one needs to be subject to that but yeah i and i i think that is probably a choice that is probably a, a a choice by fletcher because you see the he says something very sexist to the Oh yeah, he's the like are the, you first chair because you're cute or because you can actually play and then he you know he's he's very sexist. So I, I think that's almost by design. Yeah. I, I would hope that that is a, a Fletcher choice and not indicative of uh what the jazz industry is like, but I also unfortunately wouldn't be surprised if the jazz industry is male dominated for no good reason so mm-hmm. that that's the only thing where i was like mm. i mean they, they did have good diversity of all the of all the folks in there but yeah it was just very very dude heavy but again that could totally be a fletcher choice because he is very uh homophobic fatphobic misogynistic he's he's checking lots of boxes i think the only box he doesn't check is racist went into oh and let's not you know let's not assume too let's much not count him out <laughs> yeah that's not we we only got to see him for like 107 minutes so there's there was certainly right. time for for fletcher to put some put some casual racism in his life but mm-hmm. mike as always this is great it is an absolute pleasure breaking down movies with you tell the folks again where they can follow you where they can check out the newest olympian Yes. So if you want to check out that podcast, I talked to the top, the newest Olympian, if you want to either reminisce on Percy Jackson or you want to join our digital book club, because I think a lot of people are are using it as a a way of people have been telling me to read these books and I don't have a real reason to. Well, now I'm going to read them. So you can listen to that wherever you get your podcast. You can go to thenewsolympian.com. And then if you want to just follow me as a person on social media, I'm at shub17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me there uh, talking about the the Yankees being good, the Knicks maybe being continually good. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. Uh, And then just some other nerdy stuff. Maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? Maybe. but yeah, uh, I, I keep most of my, my baseball hot takes for uh, uh, the Twitter DM thread with you and Bobby Wagner because I'm beyond superstitious and I'm afraid if I tweet too many good things about the Yankees, they will crumble into an abyss. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about that because the Twins, oh, have, already, man. twins have already crumbled into <sighs> abyss. I will say uh, for all you parents listening who might be thinking like maybe I could read Percy Jackson with my kids. There is an illustrated edition, which I oh, when my son and I cool. read The Sorcerer's Stone and because they have those. Right. Very nice illustrated editions. It makes it a little easier for kids to follow along with. I think I think that is what we will go with with Percy Jackson. But Mike, as always, thank you very much, sir. If you enjoy this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think of the show. As always, we are having our, our Ted Lasso Thursday recaps. Yes. Uh, special guest this week, Adam Amin. Me, him, Alex McDaniel covering episode seven of Ted Lasso. And if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports you can help vote on movies you can have a say in our patrons choice episodes and you can get a sticker shout good out sticker. to stickers it's a good one mike has the sticker everyone loves to get some rave reviews on the sticker featuring the art of the great ricky prosper uh with that we will see you on thursday talking ted lasso episode seven thanks for listening 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.